until a few hours ago, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to give a regular share this week for various reasons. But then someone, I don't know if you regret yet, uh, suggested that maybe today would be an idea to talk about the Nyana de Yoyma. And for those who don't, for those who don't know or are unaware, uh, there are the annual celebrations in Medina Sisral. Look it up actually on Wikipedia, a place like that. You'll see that um, even though everyone knows the date of Heir, but those in Chutzlaretz might not know that it's actually only marked on the day of Heir if it falls out on Wednesday. It's the only uh, kvias in which they celebrated on Heir. Otherwise, if it's too close to Shabbos, the Datiyim were concerned about the Shabbos that could take place before or after. So it's either Muktim or Nicha, depending on. The situation in this case it's Muktam to, to Thursday, so that's today. So I thought uh, after I heard the suggestion, I thought that was like an idea. Um, so uh, in, in that sense, also perhaps a bit less of a formal, not as formal of a halachic topic, but uh, we'll try to. Uh, and of course, as a big, you know, Zionism as a topic, of course, is probably way too big to encompass in any one sheer anyway, whether it's the halacha or the history. But uh, I'll try to give a brief overview of the general topic, especially from the halachic perspective, and then especially from the perspective of the Rebbeim. And um, hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about one of the halachic topics. So before we begin, we have to define what is what is Zionism in relation to the country, Medina Israel? So, it's not so easy to define. And you also have to keep in mind, you have to differentiate between before the Medina was established and after the Medina is established, two very different scenarios and situations. So if we try, let's, let's try some definitions. If we say that anyone who f- finds any uh, significance, the fact that it's a Jewish country, an independent Jewish country today, that, that in and of itself has, uh, you know, security, uh, it's, imp- it's an issue of importance to us due to, uh, you know, the safety of Jews, security, place for Jews to live. Uh, so if you give a definition that's that, that's that broad, so then the rabbi and probably most Haredim uh, are end up fitting into that category, into that definition, because that's how the Rebbe most Haredim see it nowadays, that it is important that uh, this country should be here and not be destroyed, and the, the Jews should be safe, and uh, we, we essentially want the, the best for this country, we want the country to succeed and, and be okay. So we don't want that to be the definition of Tzirina, so we're going to have to reject that definition. If we define the Zionists as anyone who finds any religious significance in, in this country, of course, there are many anti-religious uh, Zionists. If you're going to say uh, to whoever finds Israel to be like a replacement instead of religion, of course, there are many uh, religious Zionists. And Bechal, how do you, uh, is it Bechal even, uh, you know, Restricted to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, a hundred uh, over a hundred years ago, for a period of time, uh, Herzl was uh, looking into Uganda. Right, there was the Uganda plan for a couple of years, where maybe all the Zionists are going to go to East Africa. 
I once saw someone online was writing, you know, a whole alternative narrative, uh, alternative version of history. And he was arguing that, uh, you know, Zionism has been around for a thousand years. Because according to him, anyone in the last thousand years, any Rav, any uh, Jewish leader who did anything, who made a move to establish any Jewish settlement in the land of Eretz Yisrael, is by his definition a Zionist. Um, so that includes, you know, throughout history, different periods, different times. Anyone who, uh, a lot of Rabbanim, a lot of leaders that uh, were involved to some extent in some project of some sort, or strengthening the Jewish community in Eretz Yisrael. So according to him, you have like a thousand years of Zionism. And then at the end, there's a little footnote at the end about some other people who also got involved. You know, who cares? We have uh, very... Wealth, you know, rich uh, history of uh, Teotihuacan uh, Zionists. So obviously, that's not the definition we uh, we use either. So, for the sake of the discussion, the definition of Zionists before the country before the country was established is anyone who saw establishing a state as a solution to the problems the Jews were facing in Europe or wherever they were. And as a result, some saw that as a replacement to religion, some came from the opposite direction. They saw this as emanating from their understanding of Yiddishkeit, and this is part of Yiddishkeit. That's not relevant. The, the point was, anyone who saw this as a solution, we need to work towards this. This is going to help us in you know, Jewish world, Jewish needs, Jewish problems. As opposed to the more ancient approach, which was that we always want to have some kahilas going in Eretz Yisrael, more for more Ruchli sticker reasons, you know, it's important there should be a Jewish presence. Usually the people who went there were considered to be on a higher level, a higher spiritual level. Individuals used to travel when you know they got older in Lomerzagan and they wanted to retire in Eretz Israel. So and and often there wasn't really a financial, you know, there wasn't much of an economic basis. It was often for hundreds of years supported by Tstaka in in different ways. So that's the distinction between uh, previous, you know, we speak about the first Aliyah, the second Aliyah, you have the Hasidic Aliyah, the Talmud Hagra, there's all kinds of uh, movements to, you know, groups of people who moved to Eretz Yisrael, and all kinds of Kehillahs that we know throughout the generations. But uh, those were all coming from a more spiritual place, and there was no uh, overall, over, you know, agenda in terms of settling the land per se, as opposed to those who came along the last 150 years or so, and said, you know, we in Europe have a problem, or you know, or in terms of you know, thinking you're bringing the goal that way. When there's more of a, more of a cheshbon and a kavana that's coming from that kind of background, that's how that's what we define as Zionism. Once the state was established, so then you had this big shift, big portion of the Haredi world, including the Rebbe, recognized that according to the current situation. Once there is already a country, once there's a state, it's uh, important that the country should be running as best as possible, and that's for the benefit of the Jews who live there and for their security, etc. And now, so Zionism has been almost redefined. That what's literal Zionism now? Someone who sees the Medina, Dafka, the country, not just land of Eretz Yisrael, because land of Eretz Yisrael, of course, has plenty of Mekedes in the Yiddishkeit, but whoever sees the state as sort of the center of his hashkafa. So either it's your replacement for religion, you're just a secular Zionist, you think that this is you know, what Judaism is about, it's this country, or, uh, or it's at the center of your religious uh, understanding. So you have the, the religious Zionists who 
believe in the Medina as being very important, coming from uh, a religious uh, basis. Of course, it still remains somewhat complex. And of course, you always have the extreme, the rabid anti-Zionists who are uh, screaming that all these Haredim are essentially still Zionim um, by the old definition. Uh, they're sort of continuing you know, the, the, the past in, in that sense. And also, their attitude towards uh, Lubavitch and Haredim has to do also with uh, the fight over a good Yisrael, which already was established in Europe. And a good Yisrael was also seen as more open to working with Eretz uh, Yisrael and establishing things in Eretz Yisrael, among, among other things. And back then already, the anti, uh, the Kanoim called him Agudistan, it was a negative, uh, you know, uh, up, um, just a negative Kinoi. Um, um, so yeah, and they're, they're, they're essentially sticking to their pre-Medina definition of Zionism. According to that, Taka, anyone who sees this Medina as important in any way, as solving any kind of problem, and we do, we see that it solves the problem now, where are all these Jews going to go? Where, what's going to happen if the, the Medina gets shut down tomorrow? It's going to be a big problem. So we see that as important. So by the, by the old definition, which they still uh, adhere to, that's all Zionism. As opposed to everyone else who says that, you know, things change as we just explained. The pile, even the Kanaim, have big kahilas there in Eretz Yisrael. And they have, to, they have to coexist, they have to interact with the Medina on one level or another, whether they want to or not. So, of course, you can always use their own ammunition against them and say that, you know, maybe by your own definitions, you're also uh, Nagua in, in Zionism. But anyway, that's not the direction. Not, that's not the direction I want to focus on. Meaning, how we look at those who are even more anti, more extreme than, than we are, and dealing with their tainus. We're dealing more with the the other direction of how do we answer, how do we relate, how do we feel about those who are more Zionist than us? Uh, just uh, incidentally, punked yesterday, unrelated. I bumped into uh, this huge kuntrus, uh, hundreds of pages by uh, Shlomo Helbrands, who was the head of the. Uh, what many call a cult, and back, back then it was in Canada. Um, so about 15 years ago, when he was, they were still there, he wrote this whole country, uh, which was mostly explaining uh, Satmar-style ideology regarding the Medina and regarding Rishayim. But along with that, he added this whole layer, this whole title that Muzag, we have to say that the whole country, the whole Medina is going to be destroyed uh, sooner rather than later, based on all kinds of Tzukim and Nevoas and Makaitis. And that was the main message. The main message was, uh, you know, the true anti-Zionism means you have to get out in time. And they even wrote how they're opening a special office to help, uh, you know, the masses uh, emigrate uh, from the Medina. It's just a bit funny and ironic to think about 15 years later where the Medina is. is still pretty much the same. And where uh, he is and where his group are, it's not, uh, didn't work out so great for him. Leif Tahar, they had to leave Canada, they went to Guatemala, they're, he drowned, they're, they're not, you know, anyway. And so as we said, this, this topic remains complex because we are somewhere in this middle space where we are recognizing we're not, it is important, it's not, and especially perhaps by the Rebbe, with the Rebbe, and the Chabad in Eretz always finds itself in a bit of a sensitive spot in how they perceive themselves and how they're perceived. And the same issue can come up for Bate Chabad and Chutzlarit as well. 
Uh, we're not getting into all that as a practical question, but of course it is a practical issue for many people, how to go about presenting uh, what Chabad's stance actually is. From a halachic perspective, for looking at halachic topics, so this question, this issue includes, already starting before the country was established, you have the question of mitzvah yeshiva aretz, what importance, if any, is there to just moving there to Israel and settling it as a mitzvah for its own sake. And then you have the question of the geula. Uh, for, on the one hand, is there is this how we bring the geula? That was the question then. Should we do this because we want to bring the geula and this is the way to do it? Or on the other hand, the counter-argument was, is b'chalan iser, you're not allowed to do anything that might be uh, perceived as hastening the geula, the gemel shvuas, which is, you know, the, that's the, you want to refer to that, that's in two words, the gemel shvuas. You have the question of his goddess Begoyim antagonizing the nations. You have his chabrus l'roshayim interacting with those who aren't religious. And you have also technically more of a technical question, but also very much related, the question of speaking Hebrew, speaking Lashon HaKadosh, Shivrit. Once the state was established, so the question regarding the Gula changed a bit, morphed a bit, and now it's more of like a retroactive question. Is what happened, is this the Gula or part of the Gula? Which is, by, by definition, when we speak about religious Zionists today, that's by definition how they see it. There's no, I don't know if there's a religious Zionist who doesn't see it that way as being part of the Gula somehow. I mean, literally, you see the Jews return, there's a state, uh, it seems very much, if you take out the religious uh, component, it seems very much like a form of Gula. So that's how they uh, that's how they view it, um, and those who define themselves as being opposed to Zionism nowadays, and especially the Rebbe. So the main way to define yourself that way is by expressing your opposition to this detail, to this point, and in a certain sense, the Rebbe actually focused on this nonstop, in one variation or another, talking about what the goal is, how the goal should be, according to the Rambam, according to Chassidus. Sometimes it's mechlal hein at the alav. The Rebbe is emphasizing the correct understanding so that you understand what's not. And sometimes it's also befeirish when the Rebbe felt the need. So that's the uh, that's the question as it exists now, um, and that's how that's where the Rebbe's shita fits in. Uh, there's also the additional question that we have, which is literally about this day. How do we look at this day from halachic perspective? Um, and before you even get to that, the question could also be like, who says this should be the day? It is, if you look at the timeline of events, hey, here is just one day in the middle, and that's the Declaration of Independence. But who says that? You know, if we're celebrating a nest, maybe we should celebrate uh, when the war was over or whenever the you know the war took a turn and it was clear that uh, things are going to be all right. So that's not even you know before you even get to how to celebrate the day. The question should be which day, but. Uh, and if you are, and if and, and whatever the day is, should we mark it? How should we mark it? That's not necessarily, by definition, connected to a gula question. It could just be nisim bezmanaza. How do we uh, how do we mark that or celebrate that? That's another question that only came into existence now. Um, as to the other questions, there's still, to some extent, is the question of Yeshiva Aretz, if uh, you're a Zionist, religious Zionist, that is also a very important uh, argument, a very important component, that, you know, we have to live in Eretz Yisrael. Charedim uh, generally don't, are pretty uh, apathetic to that argument. Um, 
in, the, in terms of like we have to settle the land, we, we, uh, either as a person or we have, as a people have to settle the land, that's not usually the Haredi uh, perspective. There is, of course, many Haredim who choose to live in Eretz Yisrael for many reasons, and there's always a stream of people uh, going to Eretz Yisrael, but it's for other reasons, not in the not defined by Yeshiva Haaretz. Um, and if there's no space in existing uh, neighborhoods, then maybe they're even willing to live in what would be considered a settlement, a new settlement, but only if that's the, if it's just a, a technical problem of, uh, of space. Um, and when it comes to the Rebbe, the Rebbe, for the Rebbe, it's perhaps the most complex, because the Rebbe went even further when it comes to Yeshiva Aretz, and the Rebbe had very explicit support for settling the land of Eretz Yisrael for for security reasons, but also the Rebbe would use this language that Yisrael belongs to the Yidden, so that's very adjacent, very similar to saying we need to settle Eretz Yisrael. But on the other hand, Chabad, ultimately the Rebbe does not support Aliyah as a concept, uh, or that Chabad should have settle the, uh, the settlements. Aliyah. We support the settlements, but not... Lamaisa Chabad does not feel any urge just because the Rebbe said all those things doesn't translate for most people into thinking that oh, we belong there we need to be there rather than here. So that's the on that question the, the Rebbe's position is the most complex one could say. Then you have the question the old question of his goddess Boomis antagonizing Gaim uh, sort of uh, acquired a new uh, a new twist between the Chalukah Deis, between the Rebbe and other Haredim themselves with relation to peace agreements and, and how to go about that whole issue where other Haredim were more likely to emphasize that you don't want to antagonize the guy and the Rebbe would say that's not the, the issue. Um, and the final two issues, his Chabras Shayim, or speaking Hebrew, whether you call Hashem Kredesh or Evrit, um, which the two, by the way, do have a connection, one of the issues of speaking Hebrew might be that you're associating a pound around with the people who are known for speaking Hebrew. So that mostly is, has become a non-issue among Haredim, uh, Chabad, it's not like something we even feel is a challenge that we have to contend with. The Kanoim, though, they're still, uh, they're still at it. Uh, like we said, they're still going, you know, as if nothing changed. They're still living, breathing the air of pre, uh, in a pre-state. Of course, it's not just going back to the old sources. Of course, they have the Yomesha and Al-Gul Al-Tamura, which are books that were written more recently, which were meant to take the old arguments and uh, adapt them for the situation we have today. On the last point, I also want to point out another difference between then and now. Back then, the world was uh, trembling, as it were. There was Zionism, there was socialism, there was communism, all these ideologies. The whole Jewish world was, uh, you know, in Shturim. Which ideology should we go with? And big chunks of Jewry was switching sides, going from here to there. Um, and that's when the Jewish world had lost tremendous chunks of religious people, people who families who were previously religious. Around then is when uh, all of a sudden uh, large uh, numbers of people are, not, are no longer religious. And for a large portion of those people, that entailed Zionism. They were switching from a religious life to a Zionist life. So when you take all that into account with that perspective, so when you look at the Haredi uh, response and the Haredi fight, you have to understand that's a big portion of the context. Masha'enken, after the Holocaust, when things more or less have settled down and everyone, you know, whatever your ideology is, you stick to it and it's a, it's a lot calmer 
and uh, you can live your life, others live their lives, and there's not a lot of uh, overlap. And if anything, the, the, the impression is that the Haredim are the ones who are people are, if anything, people are breaking off from the other segments and becoming more religious, if anything. Um, so we don't feel threatened by uh, Zionism in the same way. So that also should and does change the whole attitude towards this whole topic, whether we should be fighting or not fighting. The Haredim who live in Israel, they end up fighting, and the Rebbe's similarly, or maybe on similar issues, different issues, often end up fighting on particular religious issues that crop up as the country, as the country has to make decisions about how life will be lived. So then you end up fighting over individual uh, issues relating to Allah, Shabbos, this, that. Um, so that's why it makes sense that issues like, specific issues like or speaking Hebrew, if the whole issue was that we're going to get too close, um, uh, so according to the regular, from perspective, that's not much so much of a concern anymore. And at the same rate, they might, if we keep in touch, at the same rate, they might uh, join us. So better to keep the dialogue uh, open to some extent. Um, the Chayda one could argue that still, if you grow up, if you're uh, you know, a teenager in Israel and you're struggling a bit, the fact that you speak Hebrew and the fact that there's this whole secular state around you might make it slightly more easy if you feel more of a, an affinity. It might make it slightly more easy for a Jewish teenager or whatever to, to, to break off. But for that, you'd also have to compare it to how does an American-speaking uh, teenager who also feels a certain affinity for the wider English-speaking, it's, it's more of a pilpul. It's not uh, an urgent, it doesn't feel as much of a, a, as an urgent uh, concern that we have to you know, fight. Lahar, uh, by the way, that according to the Kanoim, who see Haredim as Tzioinim, that is a self-reinforcing uh, position because, and it forces them to consistently behave and broadcast that they are Kanoim, because a Haredi, as we just said, isn't, doesn't have a taiva anymore to become a full-fledged Tzioni. That's not an issue we have anymore. But a Kanoi, at every moment, has the urge to just become a normal Haredi. Why be so extreme? Let me just be normal. So they find themselves there like, trapped in this cycle where they actually have to really consistently be screaming about Haredim, Tzioni, 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 because the second they stop, then they actually are very likely to just uh, merge and become regular Haredim. So they actually have an entirely different calculus. So that's another reason why they have to continue, you know, like as if it's 100 years ago. So now we get to the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab, so the, these anti-Zionists like to list, they like to feel that the Rebbe Rashab is actually in their ranks more than uh, uh, regular Haredi or even Chabad would be able to claim. We don't really necessarily, you know, when we speak about Zionism and our attitude, we don't necessarily mention the Rebbe Rashab in that context. Because the Rebbe Rashab was a very, very strong, overt uh, anti-Zionist. He fought, he wrote a lot. Um, most of all the Tainas, Halachic issues that we mentioned before, and uh, so they're just continuing where the Rebbe Rashab left off, as it were. Of course, we have to make a distinction and say, look, Rebbe Rashab was then, before the country, before the state, um, and then, then, things, then things change. Uh, you know, right now it's a security question for many, for many, and also is it really a threat anymore? The Rebbe Rashab was clearly reacting, you can see from what he's writing, he's clearly reacting to the fact that his own people are being uh, tempted by this foreign ideology. 
But at any rate, we're going to take a look, I want to take a look a little bit at some of what he wrote then. And obviously, we don't have that much time at all. And he wrote a lot. Some of it is more polemical. So you have the Moshe in the beginning of Kuntus Amayan. You have uh, like questions and answers, uh, more polemical nature. And then you have more halachic, more of a halachic style. And the things written in that vein have been included in Charles and Shiva's Tehid Shalom, which Bar 11 has printed and collected from all of the Rebbe Shalom's halachic writings. So one of the uh, halachic topics of the the uh, Rebbe Shab wrote about at length was the question of mitzvahs yishev eretz And the reason why Rebbe Shab wrote about it was actually not even so much for uh, anti-Zionism, but due to internal Chabad politics between him and his cousin, Rebbe Shmoyo Nayach of Babreisk, who was the leader of a different Chabad movement, for those familiar with history then. For a while, there, was, uh, there were multiple uh, Chabad groups, and Shpabreisk was considered more, um, you know, was not considered as extreme, was more moderate um, with regard to various hot-button topics that had to do with Yiddishkeit, also internal Russian questions about Yiddishkeit was considered more moderate. Um, and they were fighting, among other things, over control of the money of Koyal Chabad, because once uh, Chabad had splintered, so there, you didn't have one central headquarters giving instructions and directions. Uh, so that's what. So that was, that was the situation they were in. Now we're not. There's a lot of history which is not uh, relevant right now. Um, some of it was printed. Some of it they try not to print. Um, but at some point it came to it reached the state that the, these two rabbis, the Rebbe Rashab and his cousin, were putting out contrasim against each other with tainus over, including over uh, tainus over the situation. And obviously, if they're putting up Pinterestism, it's because you're trying to win over the uh, the public in the middle. And part of the debate ended up being about Yishev Eretz Yisrael. Shmuel had more control in Yerushalayim, and the Rebbe Rashab had more control in Chavrim. And the Machlekes over the control was should the control, should the should the Kupa be run out of Yerushalayim, that's what Shmuel wanted, or should it be run out of Chavrim, like the Rebbe Rashab wanted. So Shmuel among other things, he started arguing that from a halachic perspective, Pasha Yerushalayim is uh, preferable, and that's what the Rebbe Rashab was responding and reacting to. So Bar Levin printed what they had to say with tremendous hashmatas. The original, uh, the original kuntness of the Rebbe Rashab, I happen to know, is taka in the library Bishlemus, and I, someone I know, told me that he visited and actually got to. Look through the whole thing, got to see the, the whole thing, and so I know it's there. Um, but Rebbe Levin decides, he's the gatekeeper, he decides which uh, which parts are for public consumption or are relevant and which are not. So he printed part of, parts of Anirgis Kaidash, and then in Shut Teresha Olam Gufa, Mamash, only whatever is to get to Halacha. As opposed to Mamish individual tainas about this one and that one. So this is, first of all, like I said before, this is one of the central issues relating to Israel that's still relevant till today. Uh, and it's still one of the big differences between uh, some of the religious Zionist and a, a religious non-Zionist. Um, and also, of all the issues that Rashi brought about, this is probably the issue that we actually feel the closest to, even, you know, without, even after the Medina, we still are more or less on the same page. So I want to just give, a, give you just a bit of a sampling from that. In theory, ideally, it would be nice to maybe take each of it to solve the topic. That's clearly not going to happen with the, the time that we had to prepare, the time we have left to talk. So 
in Tayra Shal, Tayra Shalom, Rabbi Levin actually quotes a bit from Rabbi Shmayon Noyach's Kuntras. He writes, this was written in the year Tavish Samach Vav. Uh, he says, he's not even sure if it was printed then or not, or whether it was just uh, copied in, in, in writing. He says, the copy that he's using is actually in the New York Public Library. So maybe it'll get digitized at some point. Maybe he already did. I don't know. But he, I guess, saw it in person, and that's where he copied these passages. It's clearly not, not many copies of it around. Um, and that's what the Rebbe Rashab is responding to, so it's helpful to understand what the Rebbe Rashab is reacting to. Uh, after the Rebbe Rashab printed it, or published his Kuntris, there's another Kuntris from the Babrisker that we know. It's called Kuntris Me'ad Meshlitim Me'babrisk. That, I guess, is a bit more, uh, you know, in the, what they have in the library is, uh, I've said, a handwritten copy of the first Kuntris. We know that the second Kuntris was printed and there are copies of it out there. But that, he says, doesn't really respond to the halachic response of Rebbe Rashab. He just continues talking about the politics. Anyway, so the Babrisker uh, writes, we all know that Yerushalayim is greater than the rest of Eretz Yisrael. Quotes a mission in Kalim, Masada Kedusha saying, levels of Kedusha, and of course Yerushalayim, is more Makodesh than the rest of Eretz Yisrael. You can eat Kachin Kalim, you can eat Maestro Shani on Yerushalayim, right? Basics. Gemara Baba Kama says, Asara Dvarim Namaru Yerushalayim, a whole list of things. You can bring the Glorifer, Nidachas, Thamatama Benagoyim, a whole bunch of things that are special, unique to Yerushalayim. Mishnah then of Ksubis it says, Akul Malam Yerushalayim, go up to Yerushalayim, Ben Akum Etzim Yerushalayim, can't go down. He says, it's Rot Lahalacha, and Rambam, and the Tur Shachanarach, Avin Azar, Simonayin Hey, you look it up, it's talking about uh, spouses, and from Chutzlah, it's there, it's you can be Kaifa, even if it's going to be terrible, when you're moving from a good place to a terrible place, etc. And you can't go from Eretz Yisrael to Chutzlar. It's an Eretz Yisrael Gufa. The whole Malkam Eretz Yisrael Yerushalayim. Shakol Mal Eretz Yisrael. Shakol Mal Yerushalayim. Ve'enakom Etzim Yisrael. It's in Shulchanar. This is Nayeg Bizman Azeh according to all Paiskim. According to the Babreskim. He says, I the Rambam. Famously the big discussion always is that the Rambam did not count. Mitzvah Yeshiva say Yeshiva Eretz Yisrael. Um, including now, so there's no, it doesn't say that there's a mitzvah to do this now. But even the Rambam is made that uh, the Kedusha is there. Because it says in the Gemara Megillah, Kedushasa and Afiluk Shehem Shememem, especially Yushalayim, Kimitziyayim, Taitzei Torah, Dvar Hashem Yushalayim. And uh, technically, it's the Kaviyas Achadashim, the Ibrashanim, it all comes from Yushalayim. And he says, this is a whole chill of the Chassam Sefer about it. So I want to quote from that just a little bit as well. It's a letter of the Chassam Sefer, a chill of the Chassam Sefer wrote. Tremendous titles, he writes. I'm just going to quote a portion of it, but it's, it's unusual for the Chassam Sefer, I believe. Chemdas Libi, Verav Chavivi, Verav Agoin, Chassidu, Prisha, Hamufli, Betayra. And that's the first line. There's many more lines. And uh, finally, he gets to his name. So who's it? Amram that some say was writing to. So there's actually, someone actually wrote a book of all the Ishim that are written about in the Chivach Sam Sefer, because he wrote to so many people, and they're all important for uh, the history of Jewry in those places at, at that time. So it's Amram Rosenbaum, otherwise known as Amram Hasidah, he was born in Hungary in Tovkov Nun, which is 1790. Um, and uh, he was a Talmud of Amart and he made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael in Tovkov Peivov, which is 1826. 
um, according to the source I was looking at, he, well, we know he lived in Tzvas, and that's what the letter is about, that the Chassam Sefer was pushing him to move to Yerushalayim, and he stayed in Tzvas. Now, who was in Tzvas then? So I didn't investigate too much, but the source that I was looking at said that he was in Tzvas, he was leading the Chassidim in Tzvas. So that's an interesting connection, the whole question of the Chassam Sefer and Chassidim, and as you see how close from the language of the Chassam Sefer, you see the Imam should consider him a friend. When he passed away shortly thereafter, at the age of 40, there's a beautiful husband that Chassam Sefer gave. And in there also, Chassam Sefer mentions, oh, he was on the way to Yerushalayim, he never made it. Obviously, he's lived for four years in Tzvah, so on the way is, uh, you know, not literal here. But apparently, he told Chassam Sefer, yeah, ultimately, he was aiming to get... Uh... So, Chassam Sefer wrote to him that... Um, that's... Koyal Mal in Yerushalayim, Kedusha Samakim, Amikdash, never goes away... And whoever's around there, so that means you're closer to the to, to the Abish there. I'm not talking about mitzvahs at ba'aretz. I'm not talking about that. For God, you want to say that it's all batal b'zman hazeh? So, ibazah is not basa, because the big discussion is also about Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim Koyen, who run in Subas, says that you shouldn't make aliyah to Yisrael, because you can't keep the mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael. It's too tricky. No, if you say that all the mitzvahs are batal b'chalal, so then Mamela is not gringer to go to Eretz Yisrael. Not a problem. You always have the Kedushas based on Likim, Vezer Shara Shemayim. We're not getting into going after the Harabayas. But if the Shara Shemayim is there, so then you want to be there. Even before the land became holy uh, by Yeshua and Ezra, other magician, Nayach, so the Kedusha of this place is not uh, relevant. It's not, it's not totally in Chorben, no Chorben, Binyan, no Binyan. Binyan Zavart, he says, Agav, I'll tell you a Zavart from my Rabbi, Abnasan Adler. That is a Taisfis and a Vedazara that says that the Mara says that every mountain in, in Eretzisrol was worshipped for Vedazara. So, Taisfis and Vedazara, where how did they build the base on Mikdash? Taisfis says there must have been a Navi. So, uh, he says, when Nasan Adler explained, there's a magic that says, that when Avram saw it, it was still a valley, and not a har. And he said, So, that day it became a har. Ah! All the Avedizardists that the Gemara is talking about was before Ramavin. They worshipped all the mountains, but Hamaridia wasn't a mountain yet, so they couldn't have worshipped that mountain. Then, once it became a mountain, um, then already Hashem gave Avramavin Eretz Yisrael. So they don't have the power to ask for something that doesn't belong to them. It's Avramavin who's already. So that's how he was Masbir. And then Mamele, you didn't know. If he dove in a Malachtak, it came time to build this because he knew what the Gemara says, you can't build in any mountain. He didn't know what to do. And then Enavi came and said, oh, this is the mountain that's Avram Avinu. That's the word from Nasnav. He quotes also from Chassid Lavram, the Bechidah's grandfather, Avram Azulai. He talks about Alpi Kabbalah, the significance of the Shara Shemayim and how it works. Um, and then some Sefer famously veers off into the question of Lag Bo'emer. He says, I know on Lag Bo'emer, people go to Tzvas, in that place, in that direction on Lag Bo'emer. And I'm sure they mean well. You know, he throws in also you know, you're throwing, you're lighting Um But he says, I personally am opposed to this whole Lag Bo'emer thing. Um... First of all, he has a whole issue with making Yom Tev in Bismarazah. It's a whole issue that uh, you know to be Moisif, uh, another one. And he says, I already uh, had a whole pilpul to be Masbir, how in Frankfurt, they talk ahead, uh, put him Frankfurt and Chav Adarav. I think that's the story of Vincent Fetmuch, that whole uh, history for those familiar. He also mentions that you're Mitzrayim, he says it's Chav Gimeladar, Purim Mitzrayim, Purim Kahir, that they were, the whole story, it's in Shmuzim, Kinder, you can look it up. Um, 
So, and how to explain that, but uh, he had has an issue with that. He says, P. Nister, and Sidri Yaakov Emden is a Nister, he says, I have my own opinion about that, and he gives a whole uh, counter uh, argument of P. Kabbalah. It's actually my own theory that if you make the it comes was when the month fell. The first day, if you make the Cheshven, when they left Mitzrayim, it was Yud Chasir, but that's not what anyone says anywhere, so that's not uh, the basis for any practice. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure if this whole uh, thing is okay. And anyway, you're leaving Yerushalayim. It's related to this issue that they're leaving Yerushalayim. And so he says, he says, in Europe, Amram, he tried to defend it. So he's basically uh, why he's not going to Yerushalayim. So he's tining Zech and he says that you brought a tshuva. Okay, we don't have time for that. Fine. Anyway, so he says, Yerushalayim is Bechal Mikdash. He quotes, that's back to Babreska. Babreska says, it's Bechal Mikdash. Um, if the build it first, then it goes into the history. He says that uh, uh, the reason why Chabad didn't sell in Yerushalayim, especially practically, they weren't able to bend the tops, because Chabad, Yerushalayim wasn't an option. So they ended up in different places. It's very, it's fast. It says, El Yosef Dribin, he taka went to Yerushalayim, um, and he wasn't sure whether he's allowed to leave or not. And he asked the Tzemach Tzedek, he had the Shaila, Al-Pashar Allah, Shaila, and Tzemach Tzedek said, uh, even though the Tzemach Tzedek would have wanted him to go to Havran, because that's where Chabad was at the time, only in Havran. Tzemach Tzedek said, yeah, you know, you should talk to stay in Yerushalayim. And that's how we have the Yishav of Kael Chabad in Yerushalayim. And even, uh, you know, David started off in Havran, but then you end up in Yerushalayim. So uh, that was his time. So we don't really have the time to get much into it. But the Cholos, the Rebbe Rasha, first of all, starts off very sarcastically. Chiddush Torah me'iti teitzei. He found, oh, Esther Kedushas, Yerushalayim. Wow, very, very special. You found these Mekairas. You found Yerushalayim Mercha in the Siddur, and you found the Bnei Yerushalayim Mercha in Benching. Megala, Razen, Tmirim, Dvarim, Neflayim, Ashle, Shmat, and Ezim, and Elam. Wow, thank you. Um, he quotes the Chassam Sefer. Very nice. You know how to copy and paste. Mia Yishishol, Yedam, Malach, Tvishish, Yerushalayim. Everyone, of course, we love Yerushalayim, but the Shalom's big taina is that Yerushalayim right now is the most secular city in Eretz Yisrael. So that's where the Bati Sefer are, the Bibliotechus, all of these things. So if you go to Kishas, go to Khurbana, where's a better place for you to be right now? In Yerushalayim or Chavrin? Chavrin right now, there's still nothing of the backwater, so there's also nothing going on secular-wise. So uh, there's no Mesisim and Meduchim over there. So Mamela, if Yerushalayim is more Mekudosh, but right now, Kudosh HaSamakim is Yerusha B'chavim and Yerushalayim, because the Ritama is Aretz. And then he goes off into, uh, he says, Rabbeim, Dafka Chavim, you're wrong. They could have gone to Yerushalayim, but they uh, they went to Chavim and Dafka, and probably because they knew the future, they knew that Yerushalayim is going to be corrupted and Chavim is going to remain uh, good. And then he gets off into the whole Yishu Eretz Yisrael, and he tines a tremendous arichas, that no halacha lamaisa, or 